it's time for a new edition of Something to Carp About, a podcast about Carpinteria, California. I'm Dennis Mitchell, and this time I sat down with Annie Sly, the former co-owner of Sly's Restaurant here in Carp. Sly's closed after her husband James passed away, and the property has since reopened as Little Dom's Seafood Restaurant. When it comes to a business, location can mean everything, especially when it comes to planning the future. So I reached out to learn more about Carp's seemingly fierce determination to stay just the way it is. Annie, tell us how it is that you are in Carpinteria in the first place. When did you arrive here? I arrived in 1989. My husband was hired to be the chef at the El Encanto, and we moved out here from the Palm Springs area. Okay, where was the El Encanto? Oh, the El Encanto was a hotel and restaurant up on the up on the Riviera. In, in Santa Barbara. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's. Um, he was chef there before they did a remodel, and it's it's a little bit different now, but it's a beautiful, beautiful spot because okay. you have a whole view. Okay, uh, just going in. I'm new here. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I lived in Santa Barbara for five years, but I've only been in Carpinteria for about eight months. Just so you know, I, I may have to have you refer to older things that oh, I don't oh, know Oh, sure. About. No, that's fine. But your that's overall fine. story is really well known in the area of the coast, uh, you, having run this really classy joint on Linden Avenue <laughs> with your husband, James. And before he left us a few years ago, a lot of people were really sad to see Sly's restaurant go away. Was uh, the decision to retire right then tied in with James' health problems, or was it just time to go? No. Um, we had run the restaurant for 10 years. We started it when I was already in my late 50s, and so, and we were ready to retire. We were talking about it, thinking about it. Our landlord came to us and said, there's somebody who wants to buy the building. And we said, this is good timing. This is good timing. So it worked out well for everybody. Okay. I, as I told you, I'm new here, but everything I've ever heard uh, about James and the restaurant is that James was locally famous because of the quality of his product. Uh, I'm still kicking myself I didn't get out there and get to get to slice before it closed. Uh, I was a frequent visitor to Carpinteria, almost like three or four times a week, and I pledged to get to all of the restaurants, and I had tried so many of them, and, and it was like one of the last ones I didn't get to, so I really regret that. Everybody still speaks very fondly of slides. And it's um, it's interesting. I'm, I'll be walking and somebody will yell out, I still miss your Sunday brunch. Oh. Or, but it was a huge menu of really, really quality food. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd call and, it even upscale for a little town like Carpinteria. Well, I mean, it was. I mean, it was fine dining, but we really wanted it to be a very casual atmosphere. We wanted it to be the neighborhood restaurant. Before we opened, a lot of people thought that we were bringing Montecito to Carp, hmm. which is not at all what we wanted to do. But from what little I know of Montecito, I kind of get that. You know, you look at the, the front of the building, and then you go up uh, Coast Village Drive. Yeah, it would almost fit, you know, so I can kind of see where people would assume that. Well, but. especially because he started Lucky's with three partners. And when people knew that, a lot of people didn't know that we lived in Carp. And so they had an idea of what we were doing, and that's not at all what we intended to do. And luckily, we, were, we succeeded in making it the neighborhood restaurant. Big time. You saw some pretty big changes along Linden and in Carp in general when, when the restaurant was open. Several other downtown businesses came and went after the crash of 08, and then even more recently because of the pandemic. That, that's a mixed bag when you're doing okay with your restaurant, but you're watching some of your neighbors struggle. Well, we opened in 08, in August of 08. In the face of it all. Well, 
But when we first opened, we were busier than we ever could have imagined. But then after Labor Day, um, things really fell off, which happens. I mean, any business owner will tell you the winter has, you know, it's completely opposite from the summer. Yeah. But it was also when the economy crashed. And we honestly, I, we didn't know if we were going to make it. Mm-hmm. And we made some adjustments, and luckily we did. Um, the hardware store was still open when we opened, and we were in there just about 10 times a day. And it closed soon after. And we always thought, oh, if they would put a boutique hotel in the hardware store building, that would be perfect. Because it's not just the building, it's the whole block. Uh, where, down, where, is this the 700 block you're yeah, talking the, about? Yeah, so the old hardware store building goes down from 7th to 8th. So clear down to the liquor store over to where the Beach Medical Clinic was. And and that changed hands. And we thought, oh, if the new owners would put in a hotel here, that would be ideal. If I mean, if that gave us six or seven tables a night. But um, to me, that location is way different than the location of the surf liner down by the railroad tracks. Right. We're, and we're going to get to that. Uh, and I, I hear there is something uh, approved and in the pike for the 700 block of Linden. They're going to be doing something with it. but I've heard that it's going to be mixed use, so mm-hmm. retail on the bottom, residents on top. And it's downtown. It's a commercial area. I think that's... That's ideal, ideal development for for a place like that. Certainly much better than a big empty building that's been an eyesore for more than 10 years. Right, right. And that's one story we're following uh, on Carpinteria Valley Radio and through the podcast as well. Are you pleased with the way Dom's has been received? I hear nice things about Dom's as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The owner is, he's just a lovely person. He's been in the restaurant business for years. Um, And he... You know, he certainly remodeled and and changed it, but everybody has a right to do that. He bought the building. He can do whatever he wants. Um, People tell me all the time they miss what we did there, but he has been well-received, and rightfully so. Yeah, I think it's uh, not the same vibe, obviously, but just that location carries kind of a vibe with it, doesn't it? Yes. You know, you're close enough to the beach, yet you're downtown. And your business is closer than most to the proposed location for the Surfliner. Which developers want to build next to the railroad tracks? When did you first hear about it, and what were your impressions? I, you mean the Surfliner Hotel now? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I first really heard about it when I was walking with a friend, and somebody asked if I wanted to sign a petition. And I said, I don't really know enough about it. I need to, you know, to research it. And I did, and I thought, oh, no. Where's that petition? I need to sign it. Um, This was a petition opposing it. Well, the petition to change the zoning, which will be a measure on the November ballot. And if the zoning is changed, it'll preclude be, you know, building a hotel in that you know, on that, in that location. Right. And, and the people who are in favor of it tend to split hairs about that, that the ballot measure is not actually the Surfliner Inn. Well, it actually is. Well, I mean, it's a zoning issue. Right. And yes, if it changes the zoning, they will not be able to build it. But um, it doesn't make sense to me to put a hotel on top of the railroad tracks. <laughs> well, and the parking lot. Um, let's get into that now. Is there any one issue that you think upsets locals who are against it any more than any of the other issues? Is it parking or is it the design of the place, which they have changed a few times? 
Um, I think that the developer has arranged to make it so that no parking is lost. But they take away part of the community garden and it changes the look and feel of the whole area. And I'm still unclear as to where that parking's going to go from parking lot. Number I think three. on the other side of the railroad tracks behind the spot. Yes, okay. yes, and the spot would be untouched. I believe so. I believe so. At least there's that. <laughs> <laughs> so is it is it the location specifically that is the most upsetting thing at all of all about it? Well, I think the location is very bad for business. This is my scenario. A couple drives down from San Francisco. And one of the selling points that the developers say is, well, people are going to come down on the train. Well, people who can afford to stay in a boutique hotel are coming from out of town, from L.A., from San Francisco. They're not coming on the Amtrak. So that, that issue is out the window as far as I'm concerned. So they check into the hotel, and the woman says to her husband's significant other, Honey, I'm going to take a nap. When I get up, we'll walk downtown, we'll check out, you know, carp, we'll find a place for dinner. Okay. Lays down, goes to sleep. Horn, horn. Now both the Amtrak and the freight train must sound the horn. That is a railroad crossing there. Yeah. And it is loud. And the freight train comes through at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it rumbles. Yeah. And there can be noise abatement and things, but there's no way that you can keep guests from hearing that. That's not one of the uh, objections I've heard until right now. Well, I think about that in terms of the success or failure of the rest of the hotel. Right. What if the hotel gets a bad reputation for, you know, the n noise of the train? Yeah. And if the hotel fails. What if they've miscalculated the occupancy? What if the money going into the coffers is a lot less? What if they can't generate enough to make sense of the note? They didn't buy the property. They're leasing it from the city. Okay. They can walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And if they do, what is the city going to do with the hotel? on top of the railroad tracks. When I've talked to people who live near the tracks, they say, you know, when I first moved here, I thought, what did I do? What did I do? And then they get used to it. But we're, when you're a guest in a hotel, you don't have time to get used to it. Yeah. There's a hotel in Oceanside on top of the railroad tracks. When you check in, they give you earplugs. <laughs> What does that tell you? Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's not a good location. Yeah. You asked me whether I like the building. It's not an especially attractive building. It looks like any any hotel with outside decks. But would you be willing to concede that uh, the latest plan that they submitted is better than the earlier plans? I mean, they downsized it. They, they took, I think, from three stories to one and are going to spread it out rather than build it up is the way I heard it. That's not my... That's not my understanding. The meeting that I went to where they stood up and said, we listened to your concerns, we made it smaller, they took away one room. Mm -hmm. They went from 40 mm -hmm. to 39. They changed the roof line a little bit. I think they moved the cafe. The changes were minuscule, absolutely minuscule. It didn't really change the scope of the project. 
there's still, I believe, two floors of rooms and then a third floor without a roof that has the the swimming pool and bar. I don't think any of that changed. Mm -hmm. So it didn't... The changes that they proposed at the last meeting were very, very small. To me, insignificant. Okay. My guest is Annie Sly, and we're talking about downtown Carpinteria, and we'll be back in just a few. While cutting molding with a 12-inch dual compound miter saw, while holding a newborn baby in your arms, when face-to-face with a congregation of alligators, with the ball in your hands and the entire freaking season on the line. There are a million places you'd never consider texting. So why would you do it while driving? NASCAR driver Casey Kane here, asking you to please stop the text. And together, we can stop the wrecks. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Get the message at stoptextstoprex.org. And we're back. We're talking with Annie Sly, a former co-owner and... uh, entrepreneur who helped run Sly's Restaurant, a very popular place on Linden Avenue in downtown Carpinteria. And we've gravitated toward the subject of the proposed Surfliner Inn. As we were saying, the proponents of the project say it should bring more business to the downtown area because the hotels we do have are all next to Highway 101, and that keeps business from, from going downtown. Is that any kind of uh, uh, point to make? As far as, like I said, you have Holiday Inn Express and Motel Six and all of these, and then and then the others out on Via Real on the uh, on the west end of town. Arguably, those are farther away from downtown than this place would be. Right, but you know, tourists that stay in those restaurants absolutely find their way downtown. There's no doubt about it. As do all the campers. People used to be surprised that we had campers as a great great number of customers Mm -hmm. well you look at those motorhomes they're hundreds of thousands of dollars those people aren't poor and you know so many times you know people would feed their kids at the campsite give them money to go buy ice cream at rory's and they would walk to us so they could you know sit in the bar drink as much as they want eat and they were a great source. So there's there's tourists all over town, especially in the summer, and they find their way downtown. It's clear that, well, I think it's clear from the comments from the city council that it will not be approved at the size that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to have to be smaller. Now, when some of the council members say, I want it to be smaller, they don't say, how small is acceptable. They just say they want it to be smaller. So we could be talking about 35 rooms, 30 rooms. It's hard to say. So the smaller it gets, the less guests, the less impact on businesses. And we can't imagine that 100% of the people staying there are going to go to all the stores and restaurants in town. It's it's really a small number of people. Uh, I think we're seeing a consensus, and I, I told this to other folks I've talked to who are in favor of it uh, that uh, the common thread seems to be more information people want more information about this mm-hmm. you had said contingency plans are a major concern here it's like they don't have enough what if behind their plan if so, if things don't go right uh, and uh, I can concur with that I, I, I don't hear a lot of that you know and, and I appreciate your viewpoint having been in such close proximity to the project uh, this is good stuff. This is like uh, getting getting uh, equal input as far as uh, whether it should or should not be there. Well, if somebody said to me, if you still had the, the restaurant, wouldn't you be in favor of the hotel? 
All I can do is speculate. I can't really know whether I would. That's you know, a pretty good question, though. Yeah, you I, know. I know. I that's all I could do. I could speculate, and I, I hope that I would put carp before, you know, some some additional guests coming into the restaurant, because I think that in so many ways this is really bad for carp. It sets a precedent for this kind of commercial development by the beachfront. And if we allow one hotel and then another hotel wants to come in, say, well, you allowed so-and-so, what about us? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very bad precedent to set. And I don't think we need to change the character, the look, the feel of that downtown area, that gateway to the beach. It's it's big. It's cumbersome. It blocks views. And we... we talked about parking a little bit they did a parking study that said that carp had more than enough parking more Mm -hmm. than we need Mm -hmm. and my answer to that is so what Mm. you know on on busy summer weekends of course that's not true you try to park down by the beach it's impossible right you have you know the avocado festival or other things going on in town and obviously that's not all the time and if the parking lot is underused so we have an underused parking lot. So what? That's not costing anybody anything. And the amount of money coming into the coffers that they predict may or may not be accurate. What are we giving up for that amount? The bud- the city budget seems to be fine. Property taxes are more than ever, growing all the time. Cannabis taxes are huge. And the cannabis industry is hugely philanthropic mm-hmm. and donate all kinds of money to the community. So how does this really benefit CARP? It benefits tourists and it benefits the developer, but it doesn't really benefit CARP in my opinion. Okay. Now, I have been told that downtown merchants along Linden uh, pay into a fund to keep that parking lot open for their customers to be able to use it. You were a merchant on Linden Avenue. Is that so? And that's another what if I have not heard the answer to. It's like if those parking spaces disappear, now are the merchants going to be paying for spaces in the new parking lot? or? Um, I... This may not be perfectly accurate. I know that we paid a parking assessment, and I think that what the city does is they look at your property and they tell you how many parking spaces for the public you're supposed to have, and you pay an assessment for not having enough, Mm -hmm. Um, and they just send you a bill once a year. Okay. So... I, I think that that's how they do it. That, that That's just what it has to do with how much property you have okay. and how many parking spaces you're supposed to have. So my question would be, this has been in the works for five years or so, and when you were still at Sly's and running it, did anybody ever come to you and say, hey... We want to change this around, and you won't be, you won't have parking spaces there. You have, you know, were you ever approached with a contingency plan on that? No, no, that that never came up, and we we took a leap and put um, valet parking in the restaurant, and we did that. It was a very difficult decision because it's it's a big expense every month, but we were hoping for 
support from the carpentry community, which we got. We got huge support, but we knew with the size of our restaurant, that wouldn't be enough to sustain us unless we brought people in from a bigger area. We had to bring customers from Montecito, from Santa Barbara, from Ojai, from Oxnard Ventura. We knew that if we didn't, and we knew that a lot of potential customers from Montecito wouldn't come if we didn't have LA parking. And and even locals that drove from the other side of the freeway were happy not to have to drive into the residential streets to get a place to park. So for us, parking wasn't really an issue. If people didn't want to use the valet, and because we paid for it, it was just a tip for the driver. It was, you know, a very nominal expense for people. And if they didn't want a tip, then it was free. Um, and the... The valets, you know, parked in the residential streets wherever they could find parking. Okay. <laughs> Long answer to a simple no, that's, question. No, that's quite all right. Uh, my guest is Annie Sly. We're talking about downtown Carpinteria, and we'll be right back. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. And we're back with Annie Sly talking about downtown Carpinteria. Uh, she was with Sly's, very popular restaurant down there, and we're talking about the Surfliner and other issues. Now it's April of 2022 as we speak. And we've just seen this kind of sentiment again with Carpinteria locals speaking out loudly against a new hotel complex at the Bluffs. And this would be where the Tea Time Golf Range is. Uh, there's been one public meeting and it was pretty much <laughs> a couple hours of shouting it down. <laughs> this is kind of the same thing, but kind of different. You know, it's in a different area of town that's preserved for a, for a reason. Right. And I mean, the the commonality is commercial development right. and where in Carpinteria we're going to have commercial development. Now, the meeting where they introduced the Bluffs Hotel, by my count, 20 of 21 people spoke against it mm-hmm. that were present in the room. And, and the one gentleman who spoke for it was clearly a friend of the developer, and I okay. think he was there for moral support. Yeah. But all of the locals, except for the Chamber of Commerce and except for People's Self-Help Housing, spoke against it. So by my count, 100% of the locals are not in favor of developing up there. Yeah, I haven't heard anything in in the way of support. And those developers, the owners of that land, really have their work cut out for them. I've heard that for a very long time now, they have brought idea after idea up there to put something there. And I don't know, I was most heartened by the comments of people that said, well, why don't we spend the money keeping it exactly how it is forever. Right. <laughs> and that's the beauty of this place. Is uh, One of the things that drew me to CARP was uh, the money that's been spent and the effort that's been uh, taken out to keep that just the way it is, like for the foreseeable future. So when anybody recommends building something there, I frankly, I just shake my head and I'm a newcomer. So, right. And I think it's true for a lot of people. They come here for the bluffs for the open space, for the look and feel and character of CARP. Um, I think after the meeting, the developer knows that 
he's got a very long road ahead of him with a lot of opposition. I would love to be a fly on the wall when he sits down with his investors and reports on this meeting yeah. and where, where they intend to go from here. It seems to me like the consensus of opinion of the powers that be is that, yes, they've looked at other proposals. And like you said, many have come down the pike before this. But this is the best of what they, what they have seen. And a lot of hard work and thought and planning have gone into it. And it is. It's a really nice project. Put it somewhere else, exactly. not on the bluffs. Yeah, yeah. And Even in Carpinteria, you think there's somewhere it could work? Well, I think I think Carpinteria could benefit from a boutique hotel. Okay, so and we're I we're kind of getting they, to some commonality now with Surflander, and this is like there might be a need for a new place, but just where are we going to put it? Where are we going to put it? What is the scale going to be? Is it going to be in the already developed commercial areas? You know, in the hardware store along Linden, along Via Real. You know, it's not close to the beach, but why would we change CARP so significantly for tourists? These expensive hotels are not for us. They are for tourists. And yes, we need tourism. We're based on tourism. And I, I don't want to... Not only, I mean, I don't even want to reduce tourism. I mean, I want to encourage it, but in a smart way. We need to do smart development. Well, it's going to have to go hand in hand with the increased number of tourists we're going to see from the 101 widening. It's naturally going to bring more people here. So the timing is kind of important here, too. Right. I mean, everybody knows during the summer on a Sunday afternoon, you don't go south. <laughs> No. You don't plan to do anything south of Carpinteria on a Sunday afternoon because all the weekend traffic is completely backed up. Yeah. We are a very successful tourist town, and that's not going to change. And one of the council members said, oh, well, when I have friends and visitors come, they're going to stay in this hotel. And I thought to myself, if you have friends and relatives that you don't have room to put up in your home, but they have $700 to pay for a room, you have some very rich friends and relatives. Yeah. Because locals are not going to be using the hotel, or very few, very few. Yeah, that's an expensive staycation. Yes. I'd like to step back just a little bit mm -hmm. on, on the bluffs and another angle that, that, I don't know if locals are always cognizant of this, but when people... Uh, mentioned to me how really expensive it is to live around here. The bluffs is free. The beach is free. These are wonderful things that we have. That's just, like I said, drew me to carp that they've taken so much effort to keep an area out there that I don't have to pay to get into. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it helps. Uh, right. And a lot of people live in very small spaces. And for their well-being, for their general well-being, they get to be out. Yeah. You know, By and the beach. like you said, and it's free and yeah. it's beautiful and it's relaxing. You know, it's invigorating. It's all of those things. And I I walked up there the other day and tried to imagine those buildings because there are a lot of buildings that are being proposed. The ho there's I think a main building for the hotel and then some other bungalows and then there's a restaurant. There's an event facility. Where spa, this is the bluffs thing you're talking about? Bluff, yeah, this yeah. is everything on the bluffs. And, you know, it's kind of a nice idea to think, okay, an organic restaurant, you grow your food for the restaurant, organic farm to grow food for the restaurant, but you, you can't grow all of it. 
No. And, you know, seasonally and all, and even if you do seasonal menus, they are going to have to buy, you know, produce from a produce vendor. And that's fine. I mean, they're not promising to buy only their stuff. But I think the idea of the organic farm was to make it more palatable to carpenterians. Right. Uh, but you know what? That does make it more palatable, just maybe not right there. It's a farming community. Right. Uh, and other people have said, we already have lots and lots of organic farms around. Maybe we don't need another one. Okay. <laughs> the other half of that being, maybe there is a good place for that. That's just not it, you know? So how do you envision carp growing? It's a small town, but um, I can already tell we seem to be a long way from a consensus as to how to move forward. Um, if, once you talk modernization of Linden Avenue, that, that puts some people up in arms. Yet, there are some parts of Linden Avenue that obviously need modernizing. Ask me a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's very difficult. We are sandwiched between the mountains and the ocean. Um, our northern and southern borders, I mean, we don't have a lot of space to work with. We just don't. But that doesn't mean that we should take away the bluffs. That doesn't mean that we should change the bluffs forever or change the gateway to the beach forever. Um, the shops and stores on Linden are charming. They look like, you know, Main Street, USA, 1950. I think the majority of people want to keep that. Yeah. Come downtown for the Christmas parade. It warms your heart. Yes. It absolutely warms your heart. The Fourth of July parade. Who who brings up the rear? A shiny garbage truck. It's delightful. <laughs> it's absolutely delightful. And I I just really think that the great majority of people want to keep that. They don't want to become Huntington Beach, Laguna Beach. They don't want beachfront development. They don't want fancy hotels. They want to keep this very small town feel. How do we do that? Still allowing some development? I think the answer is trying to use the spaces that we have. There's spaces on Villarreal. There's, you know, I mean, we talked about the potential plans for the hardware store building that I think are mixed use. That would seem to be you know? key. For, you know, that location and the topic that we are on right this minute, as far as modernizing Linden Avenue, I think a lot of eyes are going to be watching that to see how that goes, to see if you know that might be a, a, a template for, for future development of other places or future improvements along Linden. Mm -hmm. And the question is, too, does the community need more housing more than they need more hotels? That's another issue with the, with the project up on Baylor there, just over the county line. Yes. And, and that's, I think, going to be kind of out of the city's hands because that's county, and the county is making decisions about that. Now, the idea of having more housing, yes, that's really positive. That area is already very densely po populated with a lot of housing issues. What they're proposing is big, and there's only one way in and out. Right. It's going to be from the front. So I worry about safety issues. If they ever have to evacuate that area, I'm sorry, it's really going to be dangerous. Yeah. Really dangerous. And it's the same thing on Linden. You know, there's only one way over the tracks there. Yeah, that's and true. And if the whole community 
on the beach side of the tracks has to be evacuated. Look, the Thomas fire is very fresh in everybody's mind. We could have lost all of Carpinteria. We came really close. It was terrifying. The fire came down to the high school. I yeah. mean, it could have easily taken over the town. Yeah. And if there was, you know, any fast-moving emergency that we had to evacuate, the more people, the more difficult it is. Right. But we're in an area, and I've experienced this for the last six or seven years, where people are living on top of each other because of a lack of places to live. And the right. state has taken some moves to, to try to get property owners to increase what they can offer on each piece of property. Um, so I don't know what the answer is either. As far as Carpinteria, it's, it's kind of a self-contained thing. Uh, but like I said, more and more people are going to be coming through the area. They already are. Uh, and something's got to give down the road. Well, I don't know. You know, yes, it's it's a very expensive place to live. It used to be much less expensive than Santa Barbara, but not anymore. Our housing prices are every bit as much. And part of the reason that it's really densely populated up by Baylord is that because rents are so high, multiple families are in each unit. Yeah. And that's why you see all these cars. But people have no choice. They need to live somewhere. And they cannot afford. They just cannot afford to rent something by themselves. And yeah. so people pack into units. It, it's the way of life here. Yeah, and all too often we've seen developers get their way and get to build buildings on the notion that these will be quote-unquote low-rent apartments only to have them come out be $3,500 a month. And that's in Santa Barbara, and that's here, and even in Ventura. Yeah, and, and that's not by any means affordable. No. And, and people work so hard. I mean, all of the guys that were in our kitchen at night, they would come in, you know, depending 4 or 4.30 to get ready to, you know, open at 5. They all, all came to work at night after a morning job yeah, on their feet in hot kitchens and and they work to put their kids through college they work to put a roof over their family's heads they work so hard because they had to mm -hmm. they had to mm -hmm. um and you know they lived wherever they could and I don't, I don't think that there's really a simple answer to the housing issue. Santa Barbara can't figure it out. We can't figure it out. But, you know, maybe instead of thinking about, you know, putting in hotels, we should think about, you know, trying to do more housing. Yeah. It's a matter of kind of a, a somebody coming up with an idea and running it up the flagpole. This is what we're seeing again and again here in Carpinteria, and some flags get higher on the pole than others. <laughs> and, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are some people that don't want to see any change at all. None. None whatsoever. Right. There has to be some progress. There has to be change. But how much and what are we going to give? What are we giving up to build the Surfliner for, they're estimating, I think, $500,000 a year into the city coffers, if their estimates are right? Well, you know, I mean, not that that's not a significant amount of money, but not in terms of the budget, yeah. not in terms of the amount of property taxes and cannabis taxes. It 
pales by comparison. Yeah, that actually does not seem like very much. It doesn't. And <laughs> and I think we're giving up a great deal. If you walk down Linden, if you ride your bike, if you drive down Linden, and you look out when you get to the parking lot, and you can see clear down to the ocean, you can see the trees. It's and the a parking park, lot. Uh, that lovely park over right. there. Right, and yeah. the community gardens, which there's a waiting list for. Yeah. People love the community garden. It's a huge success. So, you know, it's a parking lot. Is it, you know, a garden spot? No, but there's trees, there's landscaping. It's kind of as good as a parking lot can get. There's a public restroom. There's a public Hello. restroom. Right, exactly. You know how precious that is uh, for some people, you know? <laughs> What are your future plans? Are you going to be in CARP as long as you live? I will be in CARP as long as I live. Nothing will ever get me out of CARP. <laughs> After James died, a lot of people said, are you going to go back to New York? Are you going to go back to Long Beach? I've lived in so many places. And the answer was, no, not in a million years. I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. This is where my people are. And um, this is the first time in my life, in my retirement, that I've had time to be involved in anything political, any, and um, and I'm I'm thrilled to be able to do it. I think it's important for you know people that have time to do it, and lots of people don't have time to read and educate themselves about what's going on. And it's easier to listen to somebody, or you know, read a fast letter in the letters to the editor. Um, and, you know, make decisions about, you know, what they want to see happen in CARP. Well, I really appreciate your time. Uh, this podcast and the radio station we've started are all about uh, learning as much as we can about CARP and teaching others at the same time. So this has been invaluable, and I really appreciate you being my guest today. And I really appreciate being here. Thank you very much. And that will do it for now. I'm Dennis Mitchell, and I'll talk to you next time on Something to CARP About. Mm-hmm.